0: Are you confused about real food and what's healthy and good for the planet?
1: Do you need the facts about local, organic, and sustainable food? Well, get ready to change the way you eat. Get ready for The Appropriate Omnivore with Aaron Zober. Hello! Welcome to the first show of The Appropriate Omnivore on the new Green Earth Radio. I'm Aaron Zober, an environmentalist and a meat lover. Think the two are mutually exclusive? I've got a show that'll prove you wrong, and it'll change the way you think about all types of food. Every week, I'll have a guest where we'll discuss topics such as pastured meat, raw milk, organics, fermented food, non-GMOs, and eating locally. Now, let's welcome my first guest, Adam Rinella is the general manager at Burger Lounge, a Southern California fast-casual burger chain that strongly embraces the spirit of appropriate omnivorism. So Adam, can you explain a little more about the concept behind Burger Lounge and how you got involved with them?
0: Sure, Aaron. Uh, burger Lounge started in 2007. Uh, the couple owners, Mike and Dean, um, they wanted to have a burger that was uh, delicious and simple, but utilizing uh, healthy ingredients produced in a sustainable environment. Um, they use a guest first philosophy, which, uh, in, in a fast casual restaurant, you know, that, that we have is, uh, the pretty much you order at the counter and then it's, it works, uh, in kind of full service from there, which is unexpected generally from, uh, when you go into that kind of atmosphere. Um, I was always a fan of Burger Lounge and I was working in other restaurants, uh, in San Diego when I saw they had, uh, an opening at one of the locations for a management position. I got, got an interview, went in and, uh, yeah, then a few months later, they offered me the opportunity to move to Los Angeles and open our first location uh, in West Hollywood. It's the first uh, outside of the San Diego market that we have.
1: Right, and so what were some of the things uh, that you were a fan of Berg Lounge for? Like, was it because of uh, their commitment of uh, customer first?
0: Yeah, well, I'm just going in there, I lived down the street from uh, one of the locations, and you know, going in, not really knowing what to expect. Uh, you know, the first thing you notice is, is just how great the food tastes, and then. Then you start to learn about it, uh, you know, what it actually comes from, and, and the staff is great and, you know, letting you know, you know, the the sustainable uh, practices that Burger Lounge has and, and the great service there. So I just – every time I went there, I had a great experience and great food and just and started to learn more and more about it. So then, uh, you know, after I got hired on there, I really really got to, the, to know exactly their concept. And, and you know, from there, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm up here doing my thing. So it's been great so far.
1: That sounds great. I mean, I've been a fan of it too. I mean um... – I had been familiar with it. I had I'd never been to the ones in San Diego, but certainly I just I had read about this place, that there were several, which, you know, I just I thought that's amazing that there's this chain that, I mean, you know, they have several stores, and they're, you know, obviously doing well, uh, you know, with the model of selling a you know, more sustainable meat and just a better product, and it always interested me. And then when I read news that one was coming to L.A., I mean, I was, uh, you know, I thought, well, that's wonderful. I mean, it's it's great that it's expanding its realm into... Another scene. That's great. So, you know, with that, can you explain a little more of uh, what exactly is the uh, the commitment to sustainability and, uh, and the certified green status that Burger Lounge has?
0: Sure. So, uh, it, I mean, it all starts with the, the grass-fed beef. And, you know, grass-fed beef obviously is, uh, you know, it's much better for the environment. Like the cattle actually graze on, on open prairies and pastures like they're meant to. Um, this, this is much better for the ecosystem than you know, corn or grain-fed cattle. Um, they're actually, you know, contributing to a balanced uh, soil fertility and, uh, you know, builds and enhances uh, the, the organic matter of the soil. Uh, and it's just – it's more of the way things are meant to be. Uh, so, it, you know, when you're dealing with corn-fed beef, um, you know, their, their bodies aren't, aren't used to – you know, are, are meant to eat corn so that they don't – you know, they're, they're filled with hormones and antibiotics and, um, you know, even corn itself, you know, uses – tons of pesticides you know when it's grown more than any of other food crop so you know with, if you're the if cattle are requiring all this corn and, and each each cow requires a tremendous amount of corn obviously there's a lot more pesticides going into into the environment so uh, the good certified green status is uh, interesting because it's, a, it's this great organization out of Boston and they go into restaurants and uh, you know they the ones that have that practice environmental friendly uh, Ways and uh, they go through and they, they see you know how you're using energy efficient products, uh, water efficient technologies. So I mean, with what we do, we all of our lighting is energy efficient. Uh, the a lot of the materials that the actual like the tables and the benches in the restaurants are made out of recyclable materials, which is really cool.
1: Right, and this uh, is part of like the uh, what's called a Certified Green Status, correct?
0: Correct. Yeah, they're actually an organization. Yeah, so they they'll they have they come in and. They come in actually once a year and they, they audit Oh wow! So so... Kind of to,
1: make,
0: to make sure that you're – you have to – you're not only – like when they come in when you first get the status, you have to be showing that from year to year you're trying to improve and you're trying to become even more efficient. So it's not just that you're staying the same even though you was great in the first place. It's that you're actually putting more thought into it from year to year. So it's just a really cool organization.
1: That is cool. Yeah, because I kind of I – I've certainly heard about it. I mean I've seen like what restaurants are listed as that, but – yeah, I didn't know kind of like how uh, how much it was updated because, you know, yeah, I thought maybe it was just kind of a thing of like you know when they open it gets a status. So I mean, I think that's a great thing that they actually do it year to year and that it shows that you have to keep up with the standards. I mean, that has to be yeah,
0: exactly. It's not just you know you, you you do a certain amount of things to get the status upon opening and then you kind of just forget about it. It's you know it's that you're you're being proactive and, and you know always thinking of ways to you know, to become more environmentally friendly and, and more green. So it's a really, really great organization.
1: Right. And so is it just about the, um, like, the technologies used in there? I mean, is the food, the food's part of it too?
0: Yeah, the food, yeah, the food's definitely part of it. Um, you know, the fact that we use grafted beef, um, the fact that we, um, you know, use free-range turkey that doesn't, almost no, no antibiotics for that. Um, you know, the cheeses that we use, the, the, we use the, the, a peanut oil that we donate, um, to a biofuel organization, and then they create um, biofuels with it. So we're not, you know, most oil just gets wasted, and it's you know really bad for the environment. But, right, but you know, yeah, that's
1: certainly that's respect. a newer thing. Is yeah, a lot of these restaurants will donate the biofuel, and then I hear the uh, when they're driving it, like it smells like the type of food.
0: It, it does, and it's funny because in San Diego, we we power our own van that, that drives around the food from our commissary. Um, we, we power it with, with biofuel. So it's, uh, that's quite interesting that we, you know, it doesn't use gasoline and, uh, that's just one more way that we, we try to be, you know, environmentally friendly.
1: Right. And I mean, it's a thing that I think, um, a lot of times when kind of thinking about being, you know, environmental and sustainable, I think a lot of times we only think of kind of one way, like kind of, you know, we're all focused on energy or on types of organics. So there's really so many different levels of what can make something that I mean, just because a restaurant, uh serves, you know, all, you know, local food that's bought at a farmer's market, but, you know, if they, uh, if they're operating on, you know, coal for it, so it's really a thing yeah, exactly. of, uh, of, there's just, there's so many steps of what it's in, um, and I want to say, actually, going back to the peanut oil, the thing that I like about that is, um, I think also from a health standpoint, peanut oil is definitely, like, a much better oil for you than, like, a canola or a vegetable, so, I mean, I love that about, um, them that they use peanut oil for the fries. That was uh, that was one of the things I like among many of of the certain ingredients. Um, yeah, and you don't have
0: to fear, feel as guilty about eating something fried when it's, when it's peanut oil, right? right? I
1: mean, another thing actually that I love about them is the um, the whole wheat bun. I think is great. Um, I think you know I just I, I love the formula of it, and I think you know it's it's great of what they use in it. The the whole wheat and certainly a little white. I know it's a little white flour, but you know a little isn't a bad thing because. Um, a lot of like uh, you know, fellow food bloggers that I know, for uh, for certain recipes, they'll say you have to put in some some white flour for certain things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we use uh, we use a local baker for that uh, for our sure. West Hollywood location. We we have a, a baker in San Diego that you know creates creates our uh, holy buns for the six restaurants down there. So one of the challenges of moving up here was you know we wanted to continue to use uh, somebody local, and so we they, we kind of you know put a few different bakers up to the challenge, and they all creating products for us and we found a great bakery that has got, you know, be able to make the same, pretty much the same bun that we use in San Diego.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's wonderful. I mean, I think the idea of kind of using, uh, you know, as it's uh, places are in different areas, using kind of regional suppliers and stuff like that. Like, I know that's been a big thing of Chipotle's uh, of is that they get from, like, different farms in each region. They've been going local, which is, you know, very much a difference because, like, when McDonald's started, the whole idea was they felt that every, thing had to taste the same from uh, from where you, uh, you know, wherever you go, like, this fry tastes exactly like this, and, I mean, it's just, it's,
0: you know. Yeah, I mean, that's, and then, and that's exactly right, because when you're using, you know, when you're using whole food ingredients, and you're using, you know, local foods, and you are in different regions, I mean, you're going to, it may not always taste the same, it may taste a little bit different from time to time, but it's because you're eating actual real food, and you're not eating, you know, something produced in a factory, so it's, you know, it's one of those things we do want it to be consistent as far as, you know, the same great taste, but, you know, at the same time, you know, maybe a little different from time to time because it is actually real food.
1: Yeah, and I don't think really it's that hard to uh, to make it taste like, um, you know, somewhat similar. Um, I think it's, you know, that's somewhat more of just a fear that these, you know, these big fast food restaurants do, that they're worried that they'll notice a small difference. But, you know, I mean, I think it ultimately comes down to just kind of like, how it's cooked and I mean even if it's from a different place we kind of do similar style ingredients and the way it's prepared. I mean I I really wonder, you know, how many people can, can notice so much of like the difference of you know, for these restaurants that do the regional thing that, that tastes that differently somewhere else.
0: Yeah, I I I doubt very much that they'd be able to, <laughs> to distinguish between uh between one in uh you know somewhere in San Diego or some the same restaurant in, you know, in Los Angeles or, you know, wherever else.
1: Right, and then also going with the bun, also I see also it's explains on the website. I love how actually you're also you know, you're able to tell everyone the ingredients and where it comes from. Um, I mean that's wonderful. Like you, know, you tell that also tell where the beef comes from. So I was reading on the website it says also in the bun is a, a blackstrap molasses, which I thought that sounds interesting because it's you know it gives kind of the sweet flavor to it without having to use like a, a high fructose corn syrup or one of those processed syrups.
0: Yeah, exactly. We're, we're all about the we're all about the natural sweetness as well. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it, 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 we're just, you know, how we use it. In, in our store in the West Hollywood location. You know, we don't carry the, you know, propensity products um, because they do have those in there. We The, the ice cream that we use uh, is the dryer's uh, premium ice cream. So it's also uh, a pure cane sugar instead of using corn syrup. So that's, that's, that's one thing we definitely try to get away from uh, in, in the restaurants in general, especially in our West Hollywood location that we're. We're trying these new things. We're almost completely eliminating that in some of the restaurant as a whole,
1: right? Which I mean is great because really, corn syrup. Um, I mean, you know, a big part of what I do as the appropriate omnivore is um, I believe that actually there's a lot of beneficial, uh, you know, things to eating, you know, meats when it's like when it's pasture and when it's the type of grass-fed beef like that you serve at the burger lounge and the organic cheese also that you put on the burgers and you know I think really um, and we're st- I'm starting to see you know others are. Other health experts are starting to chime in on this now that it's really, you know, it's things like it's the, you know, the refined sugars, the corn syrups that are really, that's what's bad for us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and then, you know, there's a long history as far as, you know, the corn subsidies go and that, you know, you can see that we're like one of the only countries in the world that such a heavy reliance, you know, on using something like corn syrup. You know, even if you know, go to somewhere like Mexico or in Europe, you know, most of their – most of their sweeteners, you know, are, are are definitely natural sweeteners as opposed to, you know, in the United States where we, we're heavily relying on, on corn syrup and almost
1: everything. Right. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was an interesting point uh, Michael Pollan talked about in The Omnivore's Dilemma how you would think that in Mexico they eat more corn than us considering, you know, you have like the tortillas and, you know, corn is certainly a popular ingredient in a lot of their dishes, but that he was explaining that no because, I mean, in Mexico, the thing is they actually use... Yeah, the cane sugar for their sodas and not and not that. So it's actually it's just there's corn in so many different ingredients. I mean and then plus used for even not just foods but like the packaging that things come in. Yeah,
0: that's crazy when you think about it. It really is.
1: <laughs> it is. And, and you know, in addition to serving the cane sugar drinks, I have to say I love that. For one I love that you have a fountain with cane sugar drinks because at a lot of restaurants that serve them, you know, you have it in glass, which I mean Granted, you know, glass is not as bad as serving like you know, Cokes, A lot of coke is sold in plastic, but plastic. still, glass. You know, you know, it does have to be thrown out or recycled, so it takes some energy. So, I mean, I love that you have an actual cane sugar fountain. I mean, I'm not really sure what other restaurants I can think of that have that.
0: <laughs> it's very hard to find. I mean, the company we work with is uh, Main Root, and they started uh, they started a while back, and they were they were really only originally making a uh, like an all natural root beer that uses the cane sugar then they they started like almost like a you know craft brewery with beer they started developing other sodas and you know they branched out where they have like a wonderful variety of of the different sodas that you know can be you know put right up against you know you have a lemon line that's you know comparable to sprite you a diet cola comparable to diet coke or diet pepsi and you know and by by using those you know those those sodas out of the fountain you know people don't feel the pressure to to buy the bottled drinks which are um, you know not only you know like you said the glass isn't good but you know generally when you're buying a bottle drink at a fast casual restaurant it's going to be more expensive and you don't get a refill. For for us having it in the fountain you know people feel just as comfortable as they would at any other fast casual restaurant getting a soda but they're actually enjoying a, a good quality craft soda that they can get refills on and you know and, and enjoy. So it's uh, definitely something unique that you know very few other restaurants do and uh, we the West Hollywood location is the first location that we've done that at and now. Uh, we just, we just, one of our San Diego locations, we just switched over, and they're going to, over the next few months, they'll all be switching over from using Coke products to, you know, where all bird lunches in the future will be using uh, the main route. So, kind of a, kind of an exciting thing for our brand, I think.
1: Right. I think you, I remember you were telling me you're the first place to actually have the main root in uh, in the soda fountain.
0: Correct. Yeah, we kind of, we were kind of doing as a test, you know, we, we weren't tremendously familiar with the product. We tasted it in the bottles, but we weren't sure how it was going to work out on the fountains because nobody else really does it. But it's been tremendously successful in West Hollywood. So we're uh you know, we're gonna be store by store in San Diego, we're switching them all over. And yeah, when, uh, any of the future burger lounges, you know, like Burley Hills is already when we open that up in a couple of months, that'll start with uh, right away with the main route as well.
1: Well I have to say that when I first came in and I saw that there was main route on tap, I mean I was just wow. Cause, um I'm a pretty big of connoisseur actually and a couple of my friends are and you know, it's kind of um I'm the one, certainly, that's more the commitment to uh, to sustainability and, and natural foods. So it's been kind of a thing where, um, you know, like when I have, like, to My Place, you know, if I choose the root beer, I always make sure to get these different cane sugar ones. And so we, we've sampled a different, you know, a number of different ones, and I think we found that we like that one the best. I mean, we just my friends have said that, like, that's the best-tasting root beer. So I, I love that that that's now available in, in restaurants and you know, I mean, um, being available in the fountain, that's like, you know, icing on top of the cake that you can get that too. Yeah. So, I mean, that's good. So now um, I'm interested to know, as, uh, as Bergalon certainly has, you know, very much a commitment to sustainability, both in the food and the uh, the layer of the place, how has, this, um, how has this changed, you know, your outlook on it? Were you someone that was very committed to sustainability, interested in this before working there um, and kind of since working there? Have you become more interested? Has it kind of changed the way you look at different things? Uh,
0: I'd, I'd say it's definitely you know made me more interested and, and changed my outlook a bit. I mean, I've, I've always been kind of a you know like a liberal, left-leaning guy that you know claimed to be concerned about the environment. You know, probably, pretty much felt my my biggest contribution could be you know recycling at my house, bottles and cans. You know, I didn't really you know get crazy and go out of my way. And, well, that's a really start. Excited. I mean, because
1: that was a thing for me, you know. Um you know, about ten years ago that was kind of I had that commitment but I can't say there was kind of I had a lot else and it, it kind of it grew from there.
0: Yeah, sure, absolutely. And now just, you know, that I've been working with Burger Lounge for the last uh about a year and a half, uh, you know, and just in just working with the owners who are really, really passionate about it and you know, to have them kind of sit down and, and explain stuff to you and just see they're passion about it and just them educating me and then, you know, me and, and getting and being able to educate the staff and just kind of, you know, seeing how we can make an impact on a day-to-day basis, you know, having come from other restaurants and, you know, seeing the practices that most other restaurants do where they're really not overly concerned with, you know, sustainability. And, you know, they're more they're more concerned about the bottom line as far as, you know, the money that they're making. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we do that are more, you know, environmentally and sustainability friendly. They do cost a little bit more money, you know, for the most part. But, you know, we have a commitment to it. We feel like it's worth it in the long run. So that's and that's how we do it.
1: I think so. I mean, personally, for me, it's a thing that I mean, I'm, I've always been willing to pay a little more for something that's more sustainable. And I mean, I find it's a thing that when you go, when you once you have something like that, and you see the taste, and just you know everything that goes into it, it's like you don't want to go back. I mean,
0: yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's what that's how we feel like the brand is doing well because you know once people come in and they have the experience and they and, and you know they're educated about it that you know, they will continue to come back because they're they're going to feel like, you know, they, they'll be kind of taking a step backwards if they, you know, if they, if they go right back to their old ways or right back to other places that they don't feel have any, any kind of commitment to sustainability. So, um, you know, it's all about just getting, getting people in the door and then having having that experience and educating them.
1: Mm-hmm. And now do you think that by Burger Lounge their model that they have, do you think that this, you know, there are certain ways you think this helps overall the grass-fed beef industry as well as just kind of um, – the rest of the industry in general, as far as being more sustainable, do you think it kind of has an impact on other restaurants, how they operate?
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely think so. I think, the, you know, the more people ex- that experience the grass-fed beef, you know, by dining at one of our locations, um, you know, they can see that, you know, eating healthily and responsibly doesn't have to be, a, you know, a mundane experience. It's, it, you know, our food is, is those things, but it's also delicious you know, we're we're all constantly up for you know best burger in San Diego. When we're down there, we're already all our reviews appear. We're right up in the name with all the other burger places. So it's not just that you know, you're going to a you know, health you know healthy burger just because it is you know better for you and better for the environment. It's also you know it can taste amazing and be a great experience. You can be doing all those things at once. And I think you know our staff does a great job of uh, um, educating people as well when they come in, so that you know it's bringing kind of the topic to the consciousness of the public. So you know the more we're out there and eat i think uh you know and influences other restaurants to you know doing the same things
1: that is important because i mean it is a thing that yeah it does have to taste good as well as being sustainable and healthy and i mean i have to say i mean maybe some people think that you know just because a burger is grass-fed or it's you know use organic ingredients no that doesn't mean that i'll like it so i mean you know i, I can say that as one and i've you know i mean my duties as as a blogger and a foodie i mean you know it requires me to uh to try a lot of these ones in LA. And so, I mean, you yeah, know, I was, I was very impressed and I mean, I mean, I think it shows that um, that it was good because there are several of the restaurants and, you know, obviously they're doing something right. And I mean, I, I can see what it is.
0: Sure. Absolutely. And um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think Los Angeles, you know, for us is, uh, you know, the people up here, there are a lot of people that are foodies and, you know, I think they're going to appreciate what we're doing and, you know, we're going to hopefully get that same following going, you know, West Hollywood and Beverly Hills and, you know, there on out that we do have in San Diego. We have a very dedicated, you know, um, following in San Diego. And, and, you know, I think that has helped to, you know, push the movement down there especially and, you know, to continue to help push the movement up here.
1: Right. And I think I think also that you offer, um, like you said, although it is a little more expensive, um, I would say it is also less than, you know, some of these gastropubs that serve these grass-fed burgers can be even more expensive. So, I think it is a great choice that you have this fast casual, you know, gourmet grass fed burger. And, you know, it's certainly, you know, it'll, it will cost, you know, more than your McDonald's, but it does also sure. have a little more affordable price than one of these, these gastropubs you go to where, you know, I mean, some of them charge like $16 for a burger. So,
0: yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a nice niche that we feel, you know, is that, you know, people can come mm-hmm. in and fast casual environment. And, you know, actually enjoy, you know, a good grass-fed burger without, you know, having to worry about, you know, spending a tremendous amount of money. And,
1: you know, and stuff of that,
0: like, we really have a huge focus on our service as well. And, you know, it, you do, when you come up to an order at a, you know, a place of the you're kind of expecting that to be the end of the transaction and that's kind of the end of the service you're getting. But, you know, we kind of – our staff will kick into gear at that point and, and really give you a full-service experience. So, so uh, you know, I think it's one of the reasons for our success is that we're kind of coupling those things. And and, and working very well and i think it's going to continue to work so
1: right and so in the future um as far as burger lounge other ways that they're looking at becoming more sustainable doing more things that are environmentally friendly that you haven't implicated yet
0: sure i mean yeah we're we're, we're definitely always looking for ways to improve um like like i said with the, the certified green status you know every year they, they do have that audit so there's always you know that that kind of pushes us to, to always be thinking to always be you know reducing waste and reducing energy use um uh, for example, we we did like you mentioned that or the organic white cheddar cheese that we use that we uh, we switched over to several months ago, and uh, that comes from grass-fed cows. Um, you know, the milk used in the production of the cheese doesn't have any artificial hormones. You know, it's pesticide-free. Um, so, it's, you know, even just a change in the food can can be you know a, an improvement for the environment or environmental commitment. Um, the the American cheese that we use will also be um, organic very soon. We have the the same family, the Romiano family, that created that Mace and Cheddar for they are they are creating the first, gonna uh, I mean, the first organic American cheese that exists. And they're doing that right for oh, us. Oh wow! Um, yeah, because most of the time when you think of an American cheese, it's you know, it's kind of it's oil-based and it's it's really not—it's not like a real you know, true cheese lover's cheese. But it's going to be—we've um, we've already tasted it. and it, it tastes amazing, and it's you know, it's you know, that'll make it so that you know, both our cheeses have that same sort of uh, you know, environmental commitment. So. Sorry, and it's yeah, you got to taste it too. It's amazing. It's nice. Oh, absolutely.
1: Well, I look forward to tasting it. <laughs> what is the farm in Iowa that it comes from?
0: Oh no, no, it's uh, they're in California. Oh, California. It's, uh, Rumian, in the Rumian, Rumian, Rumiano family. It's R U M I A N O. Mm. Yeah, so they, it's actually you know it's like craft cheeses, uh, you know, just like that, like the Italian the Italian style of cheese, and it's really uh really really good, good company.
1: It is good. I mean, I think that's because there's always so much focus of people hear the term grass-fed beef, but I mean, um dairy that comes from cows too and that's it's just as important to have to have dairy products that are grass-fed. Um I mean, I know, you know, I know some people are starting to uh to drink like organic milk, although although it's funny like I see sometimes people that drink organic milk and then you know they buy that for home for like, for their cereal, but then they don't buy organic cheese and kind of like, oh, <laughs> like um <laughs> The cheese yeah, comes from I the milk, that, so.
0: Yeah, we, I think we saw that kind of concept there, where you know we're we're offering great grass fed beef, and then you're, you're throwing cheese on there. It comes from grass fed cows, so we're uh, we, we're committed to you know becoming it'll be once the American cheese comes through in the next few weeks, we'll be completely yeah, all grass fed, which is great.
1: Right, and the and also I see also the bun is uh, it's organic whole wheat as well. So, yep. I mean, so there's several Absolutely, organic yeah. ingredients. It's not just the beef. I mean, it is you know it is an overall commitment to organics.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, it's, it's, an ongoing, it's always a challenge. You know, we use organic as much as possible in almost every ingredient we use. You know, and, and keeping the price point, you know, at that, you know, the, the fast casual price point, keeping it you know, affordable is, you know, it's, a, it's an ongoing challenge, but it's something that we've been doing since the beginning.
1: So it's something we're going to continue to do. Yeah. And I see a rise, certainly, in the sale of organics. I mean, even like Walmart sells organic things. So does it become easier to do it as organic has become more succe- succe- accepted?
0: Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it, it, you got you got to be kind of careful too, though. I mean, with the the word, I think it's kind of overused. Um, not just the organic, but you know, grass fed beef in general. I mean, we our grass fed beef is it's single source grass fed beef, so it you know we know exactly it comes from one ranch in Missouri called the the Rain Crow Ranch. Um, so we know exactly you know how it, how the cows are being raised, and we you know the owners and, and our culinary director have been out to the ranch several times, and you know, there's a lot of other times you'll you'll get grass fed beef, but you know, there there are dealers of grass fed beef that deal to rest that give it to sells the sales of restaurants and the restaurants don't actually really know where it comes from and there's really not a whole lot of accountability as far as, you know, whether it's you know hundred percent actually grass fed or not. So I think I think the single source uh, element is uh, is pretty important as well. I think
1: so too. I mean it's been a thing certainly that um well organics I mean, you know, certainly I praise it all. Um you know, there's things where not all organics are created equally is basically the best way to describe it. And so, yeah, you do have to kind of also you can't just know if by a certified organic. You really have to. It's a thing of know your supplier. I mean, it's a thing of you got to know sure. what goes on in there. And, I mean, you know, at some point I think, you know, maybe we'll have a thing of actually uh, a new term for organics. I think it would be great where we just have something that even more specifically says what's done. It's kind of the beyond organic movement, as they call it.
0: Sure, yeah, that's, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you should want some broad stamp on something where you don't actually know, you know, where it's coming from or, you know, if it is actually that.
1: Right. I mean, it's certainly, certainly the organic movement, don't get me wrong. It's, you know, a great step that's taken to us, but, you know, with everything it has kinks in it. And I guess also, you know, as far as like, you know, knowing, you know, which organics are the best, you know, and the idea of, you know, that changing, you know, kind of our, our requirements becoming, you know, our standards becoming higher as it goes along. Um, does the uh, green certification every year, like, is it kind of, do they change their standards or does it pretty much stay the same as far as what they want?
0: No, it it, it changes. I mean, as, from year to year, um, they, I mean, the, the technology changes and, you know, the ability, the access, you know, to, to better, like, lighting and, and things like that become, becomes greater and greater every year. So with that, they, they do um, they do change a, a bit. Um, it's it's mostly you know once you've, you reach that you know minimum standard and you become you get the certified status. They really just want to see from year to year that you're making efforts to improve. You know no matter what what area that may be in. Like for like for example for even for like an interesting thing that um, we're going to start to do over the next week or two is that uh, we're going to, um, with the metro system in L.A. They're going to come in and offer all of our uh, employees um, discounted rates to use public transportation. So instead of, you know, them all driving individually to work, it maybe be more encouraged that, you know, maybe, you know, that they use public transportation and, you know, they get more some of those cars off the road. So that's kind of, you know, doing something like that is something a little different, something that, you know, the certified green people, you know, appreciate. They see, you know, that's kind of a unique way of approaching things instead of just, you know, becoming more water efficient. You know, we can kind of approach it, Every angle and, you know, even even the staff, you know, coming to and from work can become more environmentally friendly.
1: I love that. I have to say, because, you know, as I was talking about how, you know, can't just focus on one aspect. I mean, that's a thing that I've said is, you know, while certainly going to a place where it's, you know, the products they sell are sustainable, the way the, you know, the energy in the place is, is, you know, environmental. You know, I think it's also important, you know, the idea of how do you get to the place that you know it's it's you know it's a, it's a thing of um you know you know if there's a place that's close to you, you know um I've always said uh you know even if it's not the most sustainable place, you know the, the idea that you can walk or bike there, but then I mean and that you can kind of incorporate all this together into a place where it has these and plus you offer a deal for people that take like a public transportation system I yeah mean, exactly. I just i I've, wow um, <laughs>
0: so we're trying, we always try to be creative, and that was just kind of a you know an idea you came up with and definitely certainly los angeles is a, is a is a great place to do something like that you know get more of these cars off the road oh it is too because you
1: know? i mean you know we have a metro system and a lot of people aren't aware that we have this public transportation system and that's probably the easiest i mean because i guess you know, maybe do like a walking or biking although you know, with the location maybe that's uh i think uh, yeah, a metro uh deal is probably the the easiest to apply
0: yeah it'll actually be at any of the public transportation so i mean they Certainly the metro, um, and also for buses and, and uh, you know, any other kind of uh, public transport that's offered by MTA, that will all be incorporated. So, I mean, we have – the metro stop is, uh, you know, a little under two miles from the restaurant. So, uh, you know, from there, taking a bus or, you know, you know certainly a bicycle isn't the question at all for, for that distance. So just, you know, whatever to whatever encourage them in general to, you know, to utilize uh, the public transport
1: that's good. I mean, I love it. So I, certainly there's an example of keeping up with more ideas. And as far as also like implementing more environmental ideas, what are some also um, for the future of what are plans kind of for further expansion of it?
0: Um, for the Berglant in general, we're, I mean, we're opening in Beverly Hills. We've already started building on that one. And that'll be, uh, tentatively the end of April, beginning of May. Um, we, we think that's going to be a, a fun spot, and a lot of good walking traffic over there. And then we're uh, looking to Santa Monica after that. Um, and certainly in Los Angeles, there's, uh, you know, hopefully we're, well, the next two years, you know, we'll get up to five or six locations. And then beyond that, we're hoping to open 20 over the next five years, you know, branching out to, to other markets. Oh, wow. Um, that's a yeah. big goal. So, yeah. Um... yeah. Lots, lots of big plans, you know. we're, we're The main thing we want to do is that, we don't want to grow too quickly where, you know, any, the quality suffers. I mean, sure. our brand, you know, all the, the environmental, environmentally friendly and the, and the, you know, the great organic foods. And that takes a lot of hard work and, you know, thought and effort to, to do those things at, at a high level. So we want to make sure that we do, you know, one restaurant at a time, but at the same time, we definitely want to be growing into to other cities and markets. So it should be an exciting few years for us. It should for sure. be. Yeah.
1: And I think that's great that you take time to do it slowly. Cause I mean, I think a lot of times with restaurants, when they expand, I think, you know, if they expand too fast, certainly the quality can go down. And now as far as we're expanding, is it just in California? Or are you looking at kind of expanding like to a southwest region?
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely, uh, I know we've definitely discussed the Bay Area. I'm Obviously, I think that would be, uh, you know, our approach would be. Oh, that would be
1: a great area because, I mean, certainly, you know, they're very into it. Um, I think, uh, in some ways, I think they're one of probably the, uh, as far as season Californian, Maybe just country in general, I mean at least large cities there, one of the most sustainable,
0: oh absolutely, I mean, yeah, I think I think it would definitely be embraced there, and you know it would definitely go well with the the lifestyle up there a lot of a lot of people into the organic movement, which is great and, and then from there, yeah, definitely I mean we we'd branch out you know slowly into the southwest and then you know hopefully hopefully everywhere at some point, but we' <laughs> uh, yeah probably focusing uh focusing California for the next couple of years,
1: right, that's. Good, yeah, and so um, how has it been differed uh, running restaurants in in Los Angeles versus running ones in San Diego?
0: I'd say from from my experience, I mean, people up here, there's just there's so many dining options. I mean, you really can have anything on any given night. In mean, San Diego, a, it's a big city, but it still almost has a small town feel to it, and there's you know certain neighborhoods. But up here, it's really there's just there's just so many different options. So. We just, you know, it's, it's so important that we execute it at a high level with, you know, every person that locks in the door because, you know, a lot of people, you're only going to get that one chance. And, uh, you know, in San Diego, we, we have a reputation, and we, we started with the one location that became so so popular that, you know, they, we really had to open a second location and then, you know, just kept growing from there. But with opening those new locations, you already have that fan base and already that, that name brand that people know in San Diego is we're the Burger Place of San Diego up here, it's, you know, we're a, we're a small fish in, in, in a big pond, so to you know, we, we can't just we can't utilize reputation very much, and you know, we just have to, you know, utilize executing at a high level with every person that comes in. So, um, you know, we're hoping to start gaining that reputation, and all the feedback's been great so far. So it's uh, yeah, so it's just you know, really just having our own niche uh, up in this up in this you know huge metropolitan area.
1: Right. I mean, it's certainly in L.A. I mean, there's a very big the whole gourmet burger scene. It is big, and I mean, it's a thing where. Um... I've been a burger connoisseur, you know, I, you know, almost my whole life. And you know, I mean, I used to think years ago, you know, I would hear you know a number of great burgers and think like, oh wow, you know, I want to like try all the major burgers. And I found that it's uh, it's been hard to uh, you know to follow everyone because there's just they're like every week it seems there's a new place that opens that is known for their burgers. And yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. so, I mean, it's big, big. And it's also, I mean, you know, also we have several, you know, ones which have various locations, um, you know, Umami and The Counter. Um, I mean, I think in some uh, ways yeah. kind of that you started in San Diego was kind of, um it's a little different than these other ones that started in LA and they had to make it big. I think in some way it's kind of a good thing that that gives you a little way to uh, as kind of a test in a smaller market to see how it does. And then kind of, you know, more of, how to do it versus these other ones where they op- they open the first location in L.A. and, you know, it's a pretty fierce competition.
0: Sure, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, you know, me and a few other people, you know, made the move to to, to come up here from there to, you know, to, to open this first West Hollywood location, not to mention the support of, you know, the owners and, and some of the other, you know, the executive types that, you know, come up and, and support us. So, you know, we we pretty much knew what we wanted to do and how to do it and what we've been doing, and, you know, we just – we wanted to uh that's kind of one of the reasons why we had uh, you know a bit of a soft opening we really didn't have any kind of big grand opening is we wanted to make sure that you know we're we were have everything set up in place to execute at a high level as far as you know having a brand new staff and you know a brand new set of cooks and we wanted to make sure that you know they they could learn and learn the, the philosophies we have and be, be educated and know exactly what they're doing before you know we, we get you know really into the busier season so it's it's been nice that way because now we feel we're we're getting busier and busier every week at the West Hollywood location, and, you know, and it's it's perfect, uh, you know, for all the, the new staff and having to learn to learn uh, on that on that way as we get busier. And then once we get into the summer, they'll be ready for the the big waves uh, that are coming as far as uh, people coming in. So,
1: yeah, and it sounds like it sounds like it's going well. I mean, I've seen the Yelp reviews are very positive. Um, I think it's four and a half stars on Yelp, if I'm correct.
0: Yeah, after 71 reviews, which is uh, which is pretty pretty tough to do it is yeah
1: <laughs> right because I remember when it first opened there's just a few they were all positive but I you know, I look at it from time to time and they still remain positive, which I mean you know is um, well I guess my question is you know Yelp is certainly a newer thing to the restaurant industry and do you think that that very much affects how a restaurant performs uh, by the Yelp reviews yeah I, I
0: definitely do I mean I, I utilize Yelp myself. Um, you know, and and if I'm going to a, a new city, or you know, even if I'm just in my own city and looking to explore and find something new, I mean Yelp is definitely one of the tools I use. You know, I'll go through, you know, I know what kind of know what area I'll be in, and you know, I can you can sort by of the highest rated, and you know, if I'm in the mood for you know good Mexican food, and I'll, I'll you know go to Yelp and I'll say, wow, there's a place of four and a half stars after 200 reviews, and you read the reviews, and it's just amazing. It's like it really piques your interest, and you wanted to go, and I'm. On the same token, if you if you go on there and they have, uh, you know, two and a half stars after, well, 200 reviews, you're pretty much, you know, there's a reason why that many people are agreeing that, you know, they're not doing something right. So, I mean, Yelp is, is definitely at the forefront of my mind a lot of the time. And, you know, I, I check every day and you know, get that little bit of anxiety, you know, when you do get a poor review. And, you know, it's uh, so much frustrating because you want to be able to respond and, you know, and, and the situation so what you know what i do is if i see somebody that comes in there and for some reason they do have a poor experience or there's you know some specific point i'll always reach out to that person and you know and communicate with them and you know see if i can get them back in there and we can we can make it right so
1: right well that's um that's what kind of makes restaurant a unique thing it's a restaurant review certainly is very different from like a film review because a film i mean you see it once and you know you say it's bad i mean that's the thing that's it there's just you know Just one time, but I think kind of a restaurant review in some ways, I think it's kind of similar to like you know TV reviews of you know you're doing a show and there's kind of you know gets critique of what's not working and you have a chance to fix it. So I think that's a unique thing about the restaurant, and I think it is something that really all restaurants need to utilize. Um, And also with me, I mean it affects me too. I think uh, you know Yelp has really replaced like the Zagat as where you can go for things because the Yelp is updated. you know, So it's a thing of also incorporating new media. And clearly Zagat realizes that because now, now they were bought by Google. Um, and, yeah, I mean, with me, actually there was a place, a burger place in L.A. that opened a couple of years ago called the Burger Kitchen where I never ate there. And I know a couple other people have said the same thing, that they've never eaten there because of the Yelp reviews. And, I mean, just recently it shuttered. And the owners of that they said they said pretty much Yelp hurt them now, what you're saying I think is, is a good point to bring up that you know you listen to what people say on Yelp, and it kind of makes me wonder what this place did that they didn't uh that the Yelp reviews never really improved that how much did they do to uh to improve the place
0: yeah, I mean would, generally when I do read whether it's a restaurant or any other business, you know you read maybe you have a low rating. And- you go through and you see the, the, the common threads I and mean, then you'll see a place that, uh, you know, constantly the reviews, the reason why they have bad reviews is not necessarily the food's bad, but they just have awful service. And you think that would be something you want to nip in the bud early and, you know, whether you have to retrain your staff or you have to get new staff or, I mean, that's something you should really catch early if you see any kind of, you know, trend, uh, beginning to develop. So, yeah, that's, that's one thing that I think maybe that me being on the younger side and us in general, the, the people that are, you know, running our organization or, uh, pretty much on the younger side, I think we're very proactive about you know reading things online, reading Yelp, you know, seeing the feedback on different social media, and uh, you know maybe maybe a place like that was you know could been run by you know some the older generation that isn't going to give much you know credence to to a website like with uh, you know user reviews.
1: Right, and now another thing is um as we were saying before that you know LA's a big place for uh, for burgers, and so I guess kind of my question is um. Are there the ways that you think Burger Lounge is unique in the whole um gourmet burger scene, not just as far as sustainability, but other things as well that make it unique?
0: Yeah, I think I mean I think what we do and and you know, kind of what how we fit into the, the, the huge grape scene that is going on here is you know, what we do, we really focus on the quality of the the proteins that we use. So um we always want the star of the the entree to be the you know the actual main protein. So whether it's uh, you know, grass-fed beef or all-natural turkey we use or, uh, you know, the organic quinoa and, and then the, the newest one, which is a, is a wild Alaskan salmon. We always want that to be, like, what you're tasting, what you're enjoying. So we're not the type of restaurant that, you know, is going to offer, you know, truffles or mango chutney or fried egg on your burger. I mean, that's, you know, that's not really something that we do. And we think that, you know, just by keeping it, you know, pure and simple but also delicious, then that's something you're going to return to again and again because of that. You know, it's only, it's only so often you can – you know, create like a unique set of uh, toppings. I mean, I think that's going to kind of uh, grow old after a while. I think
1: so too. And also (laughs) a thing that um, adding with that as we're talking earlier about the bun, um, because a lot of these gourmet burgers, they offer this thing called the, uh, the brioche bun, which I mean, while it's good, you know, I'm also kind of, I feel like, it's almost like you have like a dessert on the burger because (laughs) it's so rich. And I actually have kind of more recently become into a thing where I, Kind of more prefer just a simple bun because it doesn't uh, overpower the thing, and you can actually taste the meat and the cheese and the toppings versus like the brioche bun. I mean, it really is so rich. And
0: yeah, we want it to be more of a you know a compliment to that. And you know, like the whole wheat bun we use, it's it's soft, but it, it, it's you know it's actually it has a nice firmness to it as well because we want it to hold up to the burger and just kind of you know be a you know a, a vehicle for the burger. So to say, as opposed to being, you know, something that's gonna overpower uh, you know, like the actual beef or whatever protein you're eating, and that's you know, that's why you're eating hamburgers because you want you want the beef, not you know, like a croissant on your burger.
1: Right. And then also you're talking about some of the other proteins. So now the quinoa burger, because um, I like that and so as as I see that you've uh, like it says on the website, um burger lounge is described as vegetarian friendly, so there's that, and what are some of the other ways that uh, you say Burger Lounge is vegetarian friendly?
0: Sure. Well, it's actually interesting. So we're owned by uh, two gentlemen, uh, Mike and Dean, and and Mike is actually a vegetarian. So wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it, I, I think from the very beginning, the you know, and then Dean is very much a you know a meat a meat a red meat kind of guy. So it's you know, it's for them, I think working together and creating the Burger Lounge has uh, you know given us the comments <laughs> on both sides. So as far as vegetarians go, you know, like I said with the the credo can of quinoa burger we use, I and mean, it's, it's a patty that's our patty that we make, wow. fresh vegetables, garbanzo beans, brown rice, and chipotle. Um, it really is very, very tasty, and it's, it's, you know, something that you actually feel like you had a meal after eating. I mean, I'm a carnivore, definitely, through and through, and I still eat it a couple times a week. And um, Besides just the veggie burger itself, we, we have a couple great salads that are, you know, for the, in the fast-casual environment, they really are, like, fine dining quality salads. We use, uh, we use dressings we make in house. Um, yeah, it's, it's so it is interesting because you know when the name burger in the in the name of our restaurant, you know people are are usually pretty surprised by the vegetarian mm-hmm. options. We yeah, have
1: and that was just wow. That's made to hear. I mean, I think that's wonderful that um, you know that actually you know one of the owners is vegetarian and that actually um, but also can respect you know people's uh, people's want you know need you know and you know wanting to eat meat. Um, <laughs> Well, I was was speechless when you said that. I mean, that was – I think that's wonderful. You know, and certainly that's – you know, certainly that's a thing of, uh, you know, part of my program and my blog. I mean, while certainly I want to, you know, talk about the benefits of meat, I mean, it is also a thing that – I don't want this to be, you know, just so much like an an anti-vegan thing. I mean, you know, I want to – certainly, you know, want to encourage, you know, kind of uh, dialogue within the communities and kind of show how, you know – my way is, is one way of handling things. Um, but, you know, I always like, I always do like to point out at places, you know, cause yeah, I have you know, friends who are vegetarian and so I always like to do a point out how places can be, you know, uh, vegetarian friendly too. I think that's part of appropriate omnivorism. Um, and I have to say that, you know, the ingredients that you're talking about in the quinoa burger, I think it's good because, um, you know, you have a lot of these, uh, you know, these fake meats, you know, they just process this soy protein with, you know, and there's just this heavy process and you know, I think a lot of that is like I see it as like a greenwashing. I have to say I see a lot of vegan food I, I see as greenwashing. I don't think it's green because I mean, you know, it goes through much of process and you know, when they're saying that it's, you know, better for the environment than a burger, you know, these these soy meats, well, it's only better than perhaps than factory farming, but I mean, you know, I have to say, you know, it's it's not you know, soy meat is not better than you know, then like then grass-fed beef, but here is something where, you know, it is something that's all sustainable because it's all vegetables and and certainly some very healthy ones: quinoa, brown rice. Sure.
0: Yeah. We we yeah we don't, we don't want you know they didn't create it with the idea of it being like fake meat or you know something that's supposed to be some you know replacing something else. It's it really is just great on its own you know I'm I'm at the restaurant quite a bit so it's nice to have uh, you know different different dining options so it's pr- pretty much when you come in I mean you can have you know any kind of experience you want you can have the full full grass fed beef burger with you know fries and and the great handmade onion rings or, or you can come in and we have, you know get you can get a fresh vegetable salad and you can add you can have one of our patties to it like the quinoa patty you can just add, you know a turkey patty but you know it's just definitely uh for being having such a simple menu with only you know 12 items on it it's it's uh, you can really kind of make your own experience. Right, or
1: you can also do a thing, actually, when my friend was uh, in there recently, um, you know, is um, you can get, like, the burger on a salad to certainly, you know, to appeal to, like, the uh, people are doing, like, the paleo diet and that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, uh, so, yeah, that's it's one thing that we, uh, we really like to encourage the people that,
0: you know, when they come in and they, they try the, you know, the different combinations of things that they can, they can experience. I mean, we're we're open on uh, you know we're open till 3 a.m. on Friday and Saturday nights uh, on on sunset. So it's kind of interesting that you know we're getting you know, a crowd of people that are going out and you know they're going after the bars and clubs and they're really just looking for something you know to get in their stomachs or you know just not really kind of secondary, just the fact that they need to eat. But uh, so know, that explains the
1: after the 3 a.m.s yeah. after the bars close at two. But now another thing I know is that you are in the process of getting a liquor license, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, we are. We've been working on it. Uh, unfortunately, we got uh, pr- protested by a couple uh, people in the neighborhood. Um, when you apply for a, a license, a beer and wine license in West Hollywood, they send out a notice to everybody in that uh, in the radius right there, and you know they have the option of protesting it. And um, you know, unfortunately, we're still working through that, but uh, I think we're we're getting close. And you know, when we, when we do get it, we're gonna. My, my big
1: thing. I, I'm a I'm a beer snob. Me too. I'm coming to San Diego. Nice. I like <laughs> oh, oh, San Diego has there. so many great craft breweries. I mean, because like it's uh, kind of weird in Los Angeles that, I mean, they have a lot of really small craft breweries, but a lot of um, a lot of the beers you know are hard to find. Like you don't have like a brewery where you can find their beer like in almost every restaurant, every store. But yeah, San Diego. I mean, Stone is uh, that's one of my favorite breweries, right, I, I, and I mean good. a couple of the other ones are good too. Because like let's see, you have Ballast Point and. Yep. Carl Strauss.
0: Oh, there's, yeah. There's there's many. So for the, for the for the six restaurants down there, you know, we offer all great local canning of beers. And you mentioned Ballast Point, and then we use uh, Green Flash and, and also Coronado. Brew, yes, that was Brew. the
1: one I was trying to remember. Was Green Flash? You know, that was another big one. I had picture of uh,
0: them. Yeah, they're great. And, up here, you know, we want to have the same thing in mind. And you know, I've been you know going through the 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 task of uh, t- sampling beers, which is always tough, but. Um, there are some, uh, yeah, I've been trying out the local beers up here that we're going to be carrying. Uh, right. Have you tried out forward. the
1: um, the one uh, Golden Road?
0: I just met with a rep uh, this last week, actually, and I tried their IPA and their Hapweizen and uh, both of their cases. So There's definitely be an option, uh, you know, going forward once we get that license.
1: They are, and I know that their goal, they've said, is actually they want to be, like, the craft brewery uh, in L.A. that's, like, just, you know, widely distributed and kind of, you think of it, you know, much in the same way as like, um, I mean, San Diego has similar, and um, like where I'm from in Cleveland, um, we do have a number of different ones, but certainly the one that everyone thinks of there is uh, Great Lakes Brewery, and so Great Lake. I know that certainly um, with Golden Road, they want to be that, and I think so far I have to say they're doing well. I mean, because you can find their beer in like, in like Whole Foods and a couple other stores, and I'm seeing a lot of restaurants carry it. So I mean, I know that they said that's their goal is. They want to be like one of the top five breweries in LA, um, or I mean, not LA, in California, which pretty lofty goal. But so far, I think you know it's going well. And I have to say, you know, I'm as a beer snob, I'm very impressed with their stuff.
0: Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's surprising how wide open it is for them to, to jump to the forefront. Being Los Angeles, such a big city, but yeah, I mean, there isn't really the one the one brewery you think of when you think of Los Angeles. like can, you know, San got a few pops to mind, or Portland, or. You know, even like what you said, like in Cleveland. So, I, uh, yeah, they were very enthusiastic, and I, I you know, hopefully we'll be uh, maybe carrying one of their beers.
1: Well, that sounds good. Now, I see, because right now I'm at the place you have certain uh, ones on tap. Are those, or, I mean, you have, like, the taps and the beers. Are those ones that you'll be serving?
0: No, they're, they're just kind of placeholders right now. Oh, just okay. As, uh, you know, just people know that we will have beer and wine, so we're just going to have some taps on there. But, um, you yeah, know, our goal is definitely to, you know, to, to serve local beers, or somewhat local at least
1: um right you know, yeah I mean, it's forward. hard with la because there's uh because there, i mean there aren't a lot of local ones so yeah so it's, it's kind yeah, of it's a, like Is a, it kind of a goal to a least like, serve like um california ones there
0: yeah like i've been like i've been uh you know like professional walkers a brewery i really like and uh you know they're up north a bit but you know, it's still you know still california and you know they offer some great beers so right no, that's so saying, cal it, it makes total yeah, exactly. And it makes total sense for us to have, you know, even have a San Diego beer and draft since we are, you know, coming from San Diego and that is right down the road.
1: So. Yeah, it is. And it's like just, I mean, maybe a little over like uh, 100 miles because that's, you know, a lot of times they use it as the standard food is like, you know, eating things within the 100-mile radius. So. Yeah, exactly. So that's another <sighs> thing, especially like I know like a stone. I mean, that's one of my favorites. I mean, that's like maybe a little over 100 because it's in Escondido.
0: Yeah, I was actually – I was born in Escondido, so I'm – Stone is what I grew up – Oh, wow. Well,
1: (laughs) that's – I have to say that to grow up with Stone, I mean, that's great because they have – yeah, specifically the Smoked Porter is one of uh, of my favorites because Porter is my favorite type of beer, and I think that's one of the best Porters I've had.
0: Really, really nice. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and all of theirs are too. I mean, they make a good IPA –
0: yeah, it definitely set my uh you know, gave my, my palate high standards uh from, you know, growing up trying all the other breweries. So it was a good it was a good starting point.
1: <laughs> right. Well, I think similar to me, I mean, because Great Lakes Brewery certainly is one of uh most regarded, especially among porters. I mean, their Edmund Fitzgerald is seen by a lot as as the best. And so yeah, and so certainly the microbreweries, I mean, that's another way that it's sustainable because you know, microbreweries, their operations are smaller and there's less waste and so I know like some of the ones we've mentioned. I mean, because Golden Road, I mean, because I know people that work for some of their the bars that they own, and they certainly have high commitment to sustainability. And like Stone, I know they're I believe solar powered. breweries that? Yeah, the, yeah,
0: yeah, it's uh, yeah. If you go to the brewery, you can it's uh, you can see all the all the cool stuff that they do. It's quite the place. Yeah, they have all the panels uh, up on the up on the massive uh, structure. So it's a very cool company.
1: Right. I mean, really, I think pretty much any uh, microbrewery is is more sustainable than you know your big three beers, the the Bud and the Miller, or the Coors, because they have smaller operations, so distribution smaller, less waste. I mean, yeah, absolutely, and less uh,
0: you know less worry about shipping it across the country mm-hmm. if, you're, uh, if you're using the local beers.
1: Right. Well. And how many beers are you looking at serving at the Burger Lounge?
0: We're gonna we're gonna have three taps as far as drafts go, mm-hmm. but then we're gonna offer a, a selection of a nice uh, craft bottle beer as well.
1: Oh, nice. That'll be, so there'll be a pretty decent selection. there. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and you know, and, and this is you know one
0: of my pet projects, so I'm really gonna you know, make sure it's. Uh, oh, well.
1: So all, is this something that kind of you've taken the initiative specifically to uh, to get going in LA?
0: Well, no, I mean in San Diego, I was actually we were you know a few years back we were serving more uh, we weren't really serving local beers and um, you know it was my it was my idea to you know just to, we we had some it was a huge emphasis on serving you know making sure we're using local produce and other local things it just seemed crazy that we weren't weren't serving local beers right so um, yeah so we kind of did, that's about a year ago four or five months after I started working there that was kind of one of my initiatives and pushes was to uh, you know begin to do that so we switched over the uh, the beers that we that we serve to being all local. So we we have three drafts. So we do the, the Bows Point uh, Yellowtail, the Pale Ale, uh, the Coronado's Orange wit, which is like a Hefeweizen, and then the Green Flash Hophead Red, which is like a hoppy amber. So we kind of get three different kinds of beers and, you know, all great local breweries. And uh, So up here I want to do something similar. Don't so have quite the selection to work with, but, you know, definitely – doing my due diligence to, to figure out what would be comparable to what we're doing down
1: there. Right, and so that, yeah, so, so it's the thing that they added, which I think, you know, goes back to that there's kind of, I mean, that is a thing um, I've said about being green is the whole thing is you always realize there's more you can do, and so there's an example of kind of you realize there's another way, like you were saying earlier, about not just the grass-fed beef but also, like, the cheese, that that becomes organic. And so, you know, it, that shows that it just becomes a thing where you always realize there's more ways that you can improve,
0: yeah, absolutely, and we're we're constantly working on that. I mean, it's it's fun too. I mean, we, we, we have our, we'll have our meetings where all the management comes together, and it's just you know people just talking over each other, and you know, so excited about different ideas. And you know, we're like I said, we're a pretty pretty young group as well. So it's nice uh, just to you know be that kind of a younger generation that has more of a you know consciousness towards doing doing things like that as far as like you know older generations you know in the, in the past really didn't do. It.
1: A tremendous amount of thought to it right so do you think kind of overall the restaurant industry just as a whole um that that's where all the future is is about opening restaurants that are sustainable that are about you know food that's you know organic and local and fresh I, I,
0: yeah i mean i think i think they they have i mean i think it's become more and more the public in general is becoming educated about those subjects and you know i think for a restaurant you know to be successful and to open up there. They're pretty much going to have to be in that type of thing because, you know, the public's going to demand it and the public's not going to, uh, you know, respond if if they're not doing those things. So just, you know, as we move into the future, it's just, you know, becoming more and more widespread. You're seeing more of the, you know, the farm to table type of restaurants popping up everywhere, and, you know, and I think those are great, and I just think it's going to be kind of, uh, you know, almost going to become a requirement eventually, you know, down the road, I hope, uh, that's my my hope at least
1: <laughs> mine too well you know i'm glad to hear other people have that hope so i have to say it's been great to have you um you know so um almost out of time but before we go um please let people know where people can find a uh, burger lounge on the internet
0: yeah so uh burgerlounge.com um that's that's our website you can see uh, up here in los angeles we have the one west hollywood location right on sunset uh a block west of la cienega um yeah, like I said, we're open 3 a.m. on Friday and Saturday nights, which is great. The biggest point I'm trying to push is that we have free parking up up above ground and underground, which on Sunset is is pretty unheard of. So you come in, park for free, uh, you know, enjoy some great food, and uh, you know, and enjoy the nightlife
1: on Sunset. Nice. Well, Adam, it was great to have you, and um, you can also catch my blog for the appropriate omnivore. That's appropriateomnivore.blogspot.com. And that's about it for this show. Next week, I will have Rhonda the Good Green Witch on. So for all, thank you for listening, and remember to keep it organic, keep it green.